How's it going, everyone? My name is Chris Hagen. This is Above the Standard, the podcast brought to you uh, by Barbell Battalion. If you haven't checked out already, uh, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram. The podcast is on Spotify and Apple. And today, we're talking with a phenomenal guy that has given a ton to the fire service. Uh, We talk with Michael Snodgrass. Uh, He's a 25-year-plus member of the fire service, and he is the speaker, the lecturer behind this amazing video that captured my attention, 1,000 Maydays. If you haven't already, check it out on YouTube. But we talk about RIT today. We talk about training and really how the fire service is uh, underprepared for RIT and what the realities are during a, a RIT rescue and what he experienced during a ton of training evolutions. And we talk about his organization, FireX Talk, and the great things they're doing and how they're going to recover and pivot and, and, and advance themselves uh, post-COVID-19. Uh, so please, I had a ton of fun talking with Michael, wealth of information, an amazing man. Uh, please give it up, Michael Snodgrass. And we're recording. All right, so today on the podcast Above the Standard, um, we were joined with Michael Snodgrass, the 27-year uh, member of Gresham Fire Department. I'll spend some years with Cal Fire and the creative, creator of FireX Talk and one of the most probably inspirational videos I've ever seen in, uh, in a thousand maydays. So, uh, Michael, thank you for uh, joining us today and giving us your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I love the podcast format. I think it's uh, it's it's a great opportunity to to spread good information, good content, and uh, get to know uh, the players in the in the fire service uh, teaching industry. Um, and I've so I've shared this um a couple times on previous episodes. I um. When I came in the fire service, I used to think, you know, coming in, uh, and I really kind of, I, I look back on a kind of a, a substandard fire academy, maybe some substandard elements of structure within my own department. But anyway, that, uh, th- those elements really developed within me this probably overinflated sense of confidence. And um, I, uh, I rolled that for years, thinking I was just this hot shot. I was younger, kind of, I, I definitely knew what the hell I was talking about. And then I read the book of Andrew, Andy Fredericks compiled by Gary Lane. And that really just shattered really any notion of, of, of good firemanship. I thought I owned within myself. And that really kind of just started this, this development and, and this, uh, I guess seeking of, uh, information that led me to the guys with brothers in battle and um then I, I kind of was like finding other podcasts and um in one of the podcasts I was listening to they mentioned this this um this video on YouTube called a thousand maydays by uh, Michael Snodgrass and so um I had gone through I had gone through a uh a Michigan State University uh kind of sponsored writ class and it was good, you know. It, ultimately, I I end up failing at the end. You know, we do all these great things, and the final evolution kind of humbles you and says, you know, you're not this this job is is here to humble you, and you're not shit. And um, the final evolution of this RIP program, I, we failed. Um, you know, ultimately we recovered later on and 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 completed, and I guess got the official completion certificate. I guess you can call it. But then I watched the video. I watched a thousand Maydays. 
And no way, shape, or form was my RIP program to the level that 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 you discuss in the in that training sequence that you went went through and observed and followed through with. And um, really, um, with that video um, is the the thousand maydays video is um, a almost a key standard video that I play for any new person coming on my my shift. Um, and so that's, I mean, in elements with Andy Fredericks and guys like Mike Perrone teaching, uh, forcible entry and, and, and a thousand maydays, um, are in there. So I guess for one, Michael, thank you for giving me an education in writ and, and re-humbling me in, in, in an element of this job. Well, I can uh, tell you, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, that, uh, um, just, when you were talking the, the quote, and I, I'm sorry, I hate to use quotes and not be able to attribute them to their original, but uh, be humble or be humbled. And uh, that has been my uh, fire service career. Every time I think I have traction, I hit black ice and spin out. And, uh, and so I appreciate that feedback and, and you know, the, the company of, of instructors that was uh it was funny because that fire talk on that big big stage that we had we had a lot of a lot of big names coming in and speaking and on fire talk uh everybody pays their own way you pay your own way to get there you pay your own and we take care of the the stage we take care of the video production and all that and then we put all the content on youtube for free and then if people need a different type of download for that, we we uh, get them a, a clean copy of it because it, the fire service owns it. The, you know, we don't own it. That particular uh, talk was the last talk of a very very long day, and the um, hold on one second. Sorry, I did not put us on. Do not disturb. <laughs> You're good, brother. Okay. Um, that, that particular talk was on the end of a very long day. Everybody was kind of slouched in their seats and, and trying to recover. And, uh, and so I, I brought the thunder out on, on that one and uh, had some encouragement some, some from, from some friends to really uh, let my passion show because on previous opportunities to teach, it's sometimes I hold back a little bit because uh, I was, I, I've been a preacher for 20 years and uh, running, running my own church and, and stuff. So sometimes I can get up there and give a hallelujah when, when everybody else just wants some content. And, uh, uh, but the thing that got me on when I stumbled into teaching firefighter survival, search, rescue, and writ was bringing a level of training that I had experienced at Fire Department Training Network with Jim McCormack. And uh, to bring that to individual fire departments was my mission. You know, how do do we bring that? Because not everybody can go to Disneyland. Not everybody can go to the Disneyland of the fire service. And I'm not trying to take anything from that. But if we can get into the the training training parking lots, training buildings, training acquired structures, and bring a level of reality to uh, all of the fire service, I think it's, I think it's important. And what 
I recognized after I got out, was able to step back and had some awesome people step up to instruct, was able to step back. I began to tally and keep track of, of the failures and the debriefs and what people learned. And what I saw was, because this is at the same time when our fool's chapter was starting, is the hunger for uh, high content, realistic training with, uh, and I say on the high content part, because high content training is not necessarily realistic, uh, but high content and realistic training together uh, provides uh, a, a basis of instruction, learn how you're supposed to do it, and then be able to move into the reality of of the event of, that you're actually going to use that instruction uh, in. When I began to see that coming into fruition, because um, we share a station with Cody Trestrell, the Brothers in Battle. So, you know, I kind of, I saw Brothers in Battle growing up, I, um, you know, emerging as a, a player in the instruction, the national instruction stage. And uh, I got to be part of that excitement. I got to be part of, uh, of the fools. And I just realized this is, this is my contribution back. I started when I was 20 in my forties, I ran into Cody and, and brothers in battle and Jim McCormack and outside training and all of this, these different factors. And I said, okay, I'm a project manager guy. I can build projects. I know how to, to deliver training. And so this is what we're going to do. And I rang the bell and other people were hungry for uh, being instructors. And, uh, and, and, and we were able to just produce a product. And then I got to see the passion that people, that students bring to training. And uh, sometimes the fire service gets a bad rap. And I, I, I tell people, hey, if you're, you know, in my Christian background, I tell people, if, you, if you're a witness, you spend 90% of your time telling us how bad you are and only 10% of the time of telling uh, the, you know, your transformation, you got it backwards. And sometimes I think we, uh, we focus so much on uh, the recliner clowns and, uh, and the toxic people that we, we, we just, we just, it's not, the fire service is not that the fire service is made up with, uh, people that are passionate and, and sometimes they just don't have the vessel in which to travel in. And so that, that was my excitement. So when I brought up came up to the fire talk on that particular one. And I had success with my aggressive firefighter talk and, and building the fire talk platform. The, um, you know, it was a, it was a good day. That, that, that felt good when I got to, to the end of that talk. So it's hard to put that much passion in 20 minutes. No, in kind of what you said about, it's easy to focus on, um, recliner firemen versus those that are, are, are wanting either wanting to grind or those that are grinding to uh, enhance whatever deficiency they may notice in, in their department. I think the same thing rings on, on godly true to what's developing lately, which with within the, the world of the, the, the firefighter rescue survey. And I might be, I might be botching that actual term up, but the the information the data collection where where it's talking 
about not necessarily just the amount of fire deaths per year, but also actual quantified data on on where we're where we're finding victims, how those victims are being rescued, where they're being located, and what and what element they're being found and are they on initial the initial attack push? Are they on primary search? Are they on secondary search? And I think that's such an important element to our job that was such a good pivot on this this element of X amount of people die every year in fires. But I think there was enough of a thirst and a hunger to hear, we know that we save people, but there's no data collection that, that's easily obtainable. Let's start doing our own. And I know it's been heavily um, pushed out by Kurt Isaacson and his HROC conference just recently, but um, I think that goes with it too, that, that I think that in turn is going to help, I think, elevate the mission of what you're doing and what brothers in battle are doing, just this this re-emphasis on why we're here to begin with and what what importance certain elements or functions on the job at the fire ground are gonna make um, you know for for them, for the you know the people that we're coming from. Um, but Michael, what uh, what's your intro into the fire service? You said you you've been like we kind of joked earlier. You've been on the job a minute. You've been on you know you've you've had a, you have a couple years on. Um, you know what uh, what brought you in the fire service to begin with, and and at what point did did you I guess did you always have this drive, or what what factor, what what series of factors, what person, what thing, kind of started to to kind of switch gears in your mind to where you know, it went from, I know the job to, you know, like you said, humble or be humbled. Right. Well, uh, you know, not, not to extend any long in, uh, introduction for me, but uh, totally different career path, uh, landscape architecture, bought some property in Southern California uh, where I, where I was going to school and uh built a house and this is um, I talk about drive I bought my first house when I was uh, I was 18 and my wife was 19 and um, bought our second house uh, at 19 and 20 bought property and built a house at 20 years old and uh, had my kid uh, when I was 22 and uh, my son who's a Baker City firefighter in Oregon and um, the uh, so sometimes when people spell drive, they spell it ADHD. <laughs> uh, I've, know, I've never heard that one before, brother. Yeah, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, full throttle. Uh, I was the, I was, I was the kid that was on a leash, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a toddler, just nonstop and uh, just continue continuing to drive. So anyway, totally different career path. Never thought about being a firefighter at all. And uh, driving around our new community that we bought property in, uh, four by eight piece of plywood nailed up to two uh, telephone poles out in front of a metal shop building um, in our community. And um, the uh, sign said, firefighters wanted. And and, uh, I'm like, spray paint. Uh, well, you know what? I bet it's, I bet it's, uh, I actually, I don't even know if I knew what a volunteer firefighter was 
uh, or that they existed. I was just completely clueless to that. Uh, it wasn't the military because my dad was career military. It wasn't the military. I really didn't have kind of an idea on it. So I walked up to the to the door, knocked on the knocked on the door as a twenty uh, year old twenty uh, year old, and uh, Captain Richard Eggerman answered the door and uh, Cal Fire Captain. Uh, with a number of years of experience, and that that interaction, that half hour, forty five minute interaction, uh, just said, "Wow, this might be the coolest dude I've ever met in my life." And um, and then uh, probably you know six months or so of training back in VHS tape days of training. And uh, hybrid education has always been around. I just happened to be on a VCR and um, did my training, did all of that, and then went on my first fire with uh, Riverside County volunteers that were that worked with Cal Fire. So Cal Fire was the it was a combination, which is what Cal Fire does often. And um, went on my first fire, spent three days, four days out on the fire line at a, you know, at a, um, it's probably a 500,000 acre fire and uh, aircraft and helicopters and camaraderie and brotherhood and came back to a, to a dismayed wife (laughs) who that was totally foreign to her come in and the smell of wildland fire on me. And uh, I said, I never want to do anything else in my entire life. I have found what I was looking for and um, switched gears, got my, uh, went to, went to school there. The academies are community college based, got me EMT, signed up for paramedic school, which uh, I didn't, didn't go to because on my 13th test uh, in the, we had been on vacation in Oregon. It was the first time I'd been up in Oregon. I said, wow, it's a good place to raise a kid. Uh, my 13th test, uh, Gresham Fire decided to give a, give me a chance and um, became a career firefighter from a Cal Fire uh, seasonal uh, slash paid call slash volunteer, uh, which I'd been for three years. Um and I uh, got hired, went through a paid academy, and uh, joined the fire service in 19, the uh, career fire service in 1994. Um, and um, I just never looked back, got put right on a truck company out of academy, worked the truck for two years. It was old um, Baker Aerial Scope. And uh, having trained, fought a lot of fire and got in a lot of trouble because that that drive I had was uh, pushing against a, a fire department that was uh, still developing. And um, the uh, and then over the last 27 years, ebbs and flows, always somehow in trouble or getting in trouble or been demoted once, uh, got re- remoted. But that was that was a painful experience. Um, got kicked out of most of the stations. Uh, 
I worked at. I have a problem with authority. They tell me that's what the authority people tell me. <laughs> and um, and then uh, you know just and then through all of that, um, some of the some of the most hated people in our department, the guys that whose names are trashed because they were toxic and a holes and and uh, stuff were the guys that that were toxic and a-holes, but they're the ones that also trained and, um, and, uh, and wanted you to be good firefighters and, uh, and, uh, didn't want to put up with the bullshit of, excuse me. The bull, You're fine. Bull, no, 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 no. Uh, no. Keep, the, the, keep it on. Yeah. Yeah. The bullshit of, of the mundane day to day. And, uh, you know, often got called on that. Um, and I, I said, I'd rather have a, you know, I'd rather have a toxic, toxic firehouse life and uh, be effective on the fire ground than than the other way around. And um, but I think as I've, uh, especially when I hit my 40s, um, I really, well, 12 years ago, I got really in trouble. That was bad. And uh, in my re reemerging from there, trying to rebuild my my re uh, reputation and, and work within the guidelines of the authority, um, the uh, uh, that's where I found my my outlet. Just train, 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 just <laughs> drive training. And if you if you hit an obstacle at your own department, go to go somewhere else. You know, just like, hey, you guys, you guys want to train? You know, go to the community college. Go to the, go to go traveling. Go to uh, your friend, your your friends in local fire departments. You know, uh, before there was a search culture with Justin McWilliams, and uh, before the rescue firefighter rescue survey and all that. Um, you know, Justin was a, Justin was a friend and. And that department, Clackamas, had an entire church summer camp that they were tearing down. And I'm all like, hey, let's train. And we did. And Clackamas did. And then the word got out. And all of a sudden, people are saying, we're going to get in a car and drive 17 hours to take your class. And I'm all like, uh, okay, dude. Um, and we have no money. Can, can we sleep? In, at the abandoned church and i'm like no because it's full of homeless people and hypodermic needles um and so i put a call out on that particular example i put a call out to the fire service on social media and said hey man can anybody lend this this these guys a hotel room by the next morning it was paid for and uh you know they their the union actually stepped up and paid that paid it back but um that just, that's where I'm at. And so, uh, fire talk came along and, uh, it was what, so five years ago, Ted talks kind of splashed onto YouTube and, uh, it's like, Holy crap, this is a great idea because most, uh, most speakers in the fire service can't deliver content, uh, to save their lives. And I'm like, what if we like cut all the bull out and just focus 20 minutes, you get 20 minutes. Just get after it. Give me content. And uh, um, and I loved it. I loved that idea. So then I found out about TEDx, where anybody can host a TEDx event, except for 
when you get a hold of them, they say, no, you can't just regulate it to just the fire service. You got to let belly dancers and, and uh, <laughs> hypnotherapists all talk. Yeah. Um, yep. If you want to have a TEDx event, I'm like, okay, well, so I parked it and I'm like, you know what? Fire. How about a fire X? Well, fire X is somebody's brand name. So I'll be like, what about fire X talking? That sounds weird. So I, I put the X in there for branding, but it's really just fire talk and set it up and got permission to use our training center for the first one, put the shingle out and uh, our training center whole classroom can hold 40, put the shingle out. Hey, I got this free thing. It was cr crazy idea. Got the vendors to foot the bill. Um, the Portland Art Museum stepped up and donated like $30,000 of rental AV equipment. It was like a rock star of, of AV audiovisual stuff. I mean, it was, it, it was incredible and, um, and, and, and supplied the crew to work it. And, um, they donated all that and the vendors stepped up in a big way and it was awesome. Um, because I, I put the shingle out and 320 people signed up to come. No shit. And, uh, yeah, went from my training center to the, um, Sheraton ballroom and, uh, and it was awesome. I mean, it was just there. It was incredible. And then the people that were, uh, so when you put your shingle out and say, Hey, we're looking for instructors to do this. Um, and even if you put in there, like, we don't pay for anything. If you want to be on fire talk, you got to pay your own way. And, um, and, and really the focus was to get, so that way we would drive local people to come and speak. And then we would travel around to get local people to speak. Well, you know, once you get through all of the professional speakers that want $5,000 for speaking fees and stuff like that, um, once you get through all those guys, you get Cody and Brian Olson and um, uh, Chief Mo Davis and Corley Moore and uh, young James Nisbet. And, uh, and the list goes on and on of these people that pay their own way. They fly in. They give their talk. Um, uh, they're they're well known. I mean, and, but they're up and coming. Some of them are up and coming, you know, and uh, you're just humbled by like, hey, this is awesome. I'm gl so glad you're here to talk. And uh, they give talks and we put it up on on the YouTube and you realize that uh, that that's when you that that's when your mindset changes. When you when you see the driving force of the of the good, passionate, awesome people in the fire service. You, if you, if you see, uh, if you are surrounded by toxicity and, and uh, lack of competence and lack of drive and all that kind of stuff, uh, pull your head out from where you're looking and, and go one, two, three levels up and look around and get some fresh air because the fire service is uh, the, the most it's just an awesome place. I would say, you know, it's the most awesome service in the world where people aren't shooting at you on a regular basis. <laughs> so uh, we get all the camaraderie without the gunfire. You know, it's um one thing. One thing I I did learn, and, and this was kind of absent for a very long time initially in my career, which was um, 
and and when you're when you're in the system, when you're kind of ingrained in it, um, everything that's done within your job or your department, not only is it normal, but it um, there's no issues with it. There's no there's no issues, and there's really no reason to question um, what what you're doing. At least at first, you know, they gave you some reasons. Hey, what? Why do we pump? What? Why are we pumping this at one fifty? Well, it's because it it it's what we do. Oh, okay. Well, then why why are we also pumping this line at one fifty and and this line's longer or or it's bigger? Well, you know, it's it's just it, you know if if you need a difference in in pressure, then you just call on the radio and and, and in the moment that was fine. You know, I, I didn't really have a problem with that. Um, but then. Um, we kind of take the camaraderie thing, and you know, you take other departments that uh, might have a good working relationship with your department, and then you, then you start talking. Hey, you know, and it's just it's very organic, very just conversational, very just uh, really genuine. Hey, what do you guys? What kind of nozzle do you have on here? What uh, what you what do you what do you run this at? And and what really kind of hits hit, and I remember just these interactions. You know, hey, what uh, what nozzle do you have? Oh, we have uh, we have the, the chief, you know, from Elkhart. Oh, what what do you well what do you flow that at? And then the first thing, and then what, and then everything's normal until you hear someone say, well, that that depends on how much line you have. And then you hear, well, what why does that matter? I, I was I was always told it was one fifty, and then you realize Santa Claus isn't real. And then the Easter Bunny didn't come, and 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 all this stuff starts to, I I don't want to say crumble, but it's like the it's like the needle gets removed out of your head from the Matrix, and you're like, holy shit! Like there's actually real world shit I have to think about here, other than just the water's gonna come out of my nozzle. I'm gonna point point that at the stuff that's hot, um, and and what I had found in that was how absolutely instrumental outside training at the very least conversation with outside um, personnel at, at a department, how ungodly pivotal that was in my career, which was not only like I, I didn't care at least at first to ask what, you know, I didn't give a shit if you had a Rosenbauer or an E1 or a Spartan or a Pierce, but for a department that might be, my neighboring agency, and I've never met this guy. I'm just gonna go up and introduce myself because you know what? I might see that guy later on on a fire ground, and at least he's gonna know for a millisecond that I'm not a fuckwit because I came up and I introduced myself to him. I still might not know anything, but at least we have that camaraderie, and he he, he doesn't know anything about. It. And that to me is what really started to develop this mindset in myself that just because we do it one way, we might do it for our community the right way for us but also and this is more often than not we have done things because we haven't researched them enough and it's just kind of what we read in a book or what what was the easiest thing to implement at that time to pro to to get the most amount of um complacency or, or complicity and then just continue on continue on that mission that that message so Michael, kind of speak to that. How important in your development was just this conversation or this relationship building outside of your own kingdom of of fire stations? Well, first of all, let's for those that are listening to podcast and and going for nuggets. 
Uh, and especially if you have the power, you're the training officer or the chief or whatever, pick the 10% of your department that wants to go to outside training and is able to bring it back and articulate what they've learned and send them. You know, you can't send, no budget can handle sending 100% of their department to outside training on a regular basis. But the ones that want to go and the ones that can be trusted to bring and bring good information back and filter what would work for the department, send those people. Just do it. Just find the 10. If you have 100 people, 10 of your, 10 of your members, 10 of your uh, firefighters are going to want to go to outside training. Um, and even if it's not in Las Vegas, you know, if it's in, uh, if it's in Timbuktu, you know, they're going to say, yeah, I'll go because it's about the content. So for me, the number one, um, you know, the game changer for me were, well, a couple kind of, kind of the jab and the right cross. It was getting introduced to the fools was the number one, the jabs, uh, as far as changing my mindset. And number two was traveling on my own dime because it got turned down by the city. Um, uh, traveling to fire department training network, uh, and experiencing Jim McCormick and, uh, uh, that, you know, what you can build with, because I don't know if you've ever been, but you drive up in the driveway. I brought my wife with me, uh, it's a little vacation. That's how I could sell it. And, um, when we drove up and I'm telling her, man, this is the Disneyland for firefighters. This is where it's at when we drive up and, 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 uh, it's, it's rough looking. <laughs> <laughs> it is rough looking. And she's like, this is the Disneyland of firefight for firefighters. And I'm like, uh, yes, yes, you know, and, uh, the next four days changed my life because it is, it is the, uh, epitome of, uh, training as far as content, content, content. What are you trying? What? I mean, you don't have to agree with it all. I mean, but they're going to deliver you a product, a content driven product. And you and you get out of there and then come back. I'm like, okay, my life has changed. Wow. I cannot believe there's people like this in the fire service. And then running up with the the fools and uh, having my first brothers in battle class, having my um having my first introduction to, uh, you know, guys, it was like, Hey, we want to put on, uh, a, a full day of truck work and, um, having, uh, having that happen. And you're like, wow. And here's a, here's a sucky thing. So the first, first time I get a chance to go to truck, truck school, truck class, uh, with the fools, I get, I show up and they're like, no, you're teaching you're not taking <laughs> and i'm all like what are you talking about i'm so excited because i had built the props i did all this. I'm like no you're teaching and i'm sitting there going are you i want to go do this and about a uh, half dozen of my uh co-workers were there and stuff and i'm like oh, okay guys i gotta i gotta go teach and um and so i taught and and snuck away as often as I could to, to go do one of the, the lessons. And then, uh, then firemanship popped up firemanship PDX 
and uh, the Fools and Brothers in Battle uh, work, uh, the First Whip Fools and Brothers in Battle work cooperatively. And at the time I was the, um, uh, what was I? Uh, anyway, when it first popped up, uh, we were uh, we were heavily involved in, in making sure that it ran well and uh, and then got to uh, uh, the first year didn't have hot classes. The next year that we we did it uh, again, I was making coffee and helping out and doing some stuff and uh, showed up to uh, to kind of jump in on on Sean Donovan's class uh, from Boston for ladders and showed up and they're like, okay, hey, so what portion are you gonna teach? And I'm like, I'm not here to teach. I'm trying to sneak in and take the class. And they're like, no, you gotta teach this this uh, hotel attack with ladders. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so uh, tried, to, tried to glum as much information from Sean Donovan and his crew uh, as that. And then of course, firemanship went from 300 to 500 to a thousand people. And, uh, and then uh, the, the get my feelings hurt Pacific Northwest uh, did everything in their power to shut it down. And, uh, and th they couldn't do it. COVID did, but, but uh, the, the uh, soft-hearted people uh, couldn't <laughs> couldn't shut it down, and uh, and then so all of that. I mean, you just sit there and and you just realize uh, that there's such good information out there, and um, once you get through the the mindset of a particular fire department that doesn't want to support outside training for whatever reason. And um, they're afraid you're going to bring back training cooties or something. I have no idea. And, um, and then you, you actually experience it. It's good, but it's not for everybody. This is the what that's one of the problems is you sit there and go like, Hey, we're going to take, we're going to take our, so you have, you know, the bell curve, you have 10% of your adopters that are, that are, those are the guys that you want out taking the outside training. You got the 10 of the guys that are just toxic and no matter, you don't want them in public. You literally want to, to hide them because they're ridiculous. And then you got your 80, 80% of your department that would benefit so much from outside training, but because of a certain part of their life, their mindset, whatever is going on, they're never going to do that. But sometimes we're like, oh, hey, guys, you 80%, you uh, you have to go to outside training, you got to do this, and they're, they're not going to do it. And it's just like, no, take your, take your driven, take your passionate, take your uh, people seeking that and invest so much into those guys, those, uh, those firefighters so that they can go and and get that training. And it's just like people uh, laugh and fire uh, departments come up and say, uh, man, we have a really hard time filling our training division with people that want, you know, that are the high producers of training. So guys that know what they're doing. And I'm like, that's because you treated them like crap for the last 20 years. Right. Where they had to go 
they had to go pay their own way to go get training and now you want you want them to give back to the department that that emptied their bank account you know and it's just like no wonder they don't want to give back to that department they'll give back to the individual firefighters but no wonder they they don't want to give back because when they become training officers guess what they have to do they have to say no to outside training because hey i would love to send you but there's no money i'd love to send you but we don't support outside training i'd love to send you but you got to do the 15 pages of paperwork and talk to 15 different decision makers to get this class approved and um it's i'm not speaking about my department specifically okay uh and i'm not talking about my department you know currently even um i'm just talking about the, but no, those the, exist. I mean, those, those yes, they exist. And you and you listen to the guys talking, and I and I was like, dude, I get it, man. I get it. Now that's your excuse. Now put that away, and go get outside training. Yeah, and that's, and, and I'm one of them. I'll be honest. Like my, and I I can't speak to it now because because right now is a different is a different time. But 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 earlier, um. Outside training, um, even like the, the we we used to have this dirty, I mean filthy p word in my department called paramedic, and we were a basic non-transporting agency. And the second anyone heard that you were going to become a paramedic, you were basically ostracized. Like, oh well, you you will never get you will never get full time here. Go north, go east, go south, but you're never. You know, if if you want that, then good luck somewhere else because we already know you're leaving, and then you were written off. And you'd have others that were um, that were kind of getting they had more exposure on social media, and they'd see other things happening. And 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 in my department, I'll be honest, you know, we're, we're still kind of fighting some growing pains here and there that are kind of I think you know ancestors to what or or, or in connection to the ancestors that were in this department. Um, you know, you know, a decade plus ago, but it was very much like, why, what, why do you want to learn? Why do you want to learn that? And what's your motive for wanting to learn that? And there's some people on my department that still have this suspicion to, to this day. And, and, and I guarantee that exists elsewhere in a, in, in a thousand other firehouses of why do you want to learn something new? And what's your intent when you learn something new? And, and, it was so tough, and even to like this day, I have this initial angst, this like chip on my shoulder, that that wants to just push back. But at the end of the day, all I want to know is how to flow more water, be less tired, and make me more effective on the fire ground. At the very end of the day, that, that's 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 what I'm hoping for. And so, I think it's uh, I think it speaks volumes to the continued resurgence of training that we're seeing. And I think social media has helped that hugely to one degree. Social media has kind of harmed our department because the stupid shit that we do gets elevated to another level. And then that gets taken and blown out, either blown out of proportion or kind of put in the right proportion. But people just did stupid shit and it went out there and it, it kind of gives us a black eye. But at the same time, we have a ton of other people that are really doing, um, really do, I don't know, doing, you know, I don't want to say like kind of a lack of a better term, doing, doing, doing the Lord's work within our, within our, within our fire service to, to make it better. And, um, 
one of the things you, you you mentioned that when you came to Cal Fire, the captain that answered the door was really just this um, larger than life individual, and I kind of had this same this the same approach. He 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 went out as as an assistant chief, was a lieutenant when I came on, and um, I had I had nothing. I I was super green. I had no experience. I had nothing behind me, and he sat me down in this this. The, the the building now is is repurposed, but this front office of the firehouse, and um, he said he he looked at me up and down. And he goes, "You're going, you know, he, you're going to school." Yeah, 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 yes, sir. I'm going to school. They're sending me. And okay, and he looked me dead in the face, and, and he's you know he's just this you know, sipping a, a black coffee in a styrofoam cup, and I can see the steam coming out of it, and his mustache is like getting wet as he's like you know dipping in the coffee. And he's like, "There are two types of firemen that are on this job." And he said, we have thank God firemen and we have oh God firemen. And he said, the thank he, he said, the thank God firemen are the ones when I turn around in that front passenger seat and I look back, I say, Thank God I have him here or her here. Or I have the oh God firemen, which are I look back and I say, Oh God, I have them today. Or I have them today. He goes which one do you which one do you think I want you to be? Obviously, you know, thank God for it. But I never forgot that 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 you are coming in not only to make yourself better, but he was basically telling me that your intro here has direct influence on my life, on my survivability, on my effectiveness. What you bring to the table directly impacts what I can bring to the table as well. I never for, and I never forgot that. And it was one of the most powerful things that was ever said to me in the fire service. He goes, you, you want to be a thank God fireman, not a no God fireman. Um, so kind of transitioning over here a little bit, Michael. Um, so so I want to kind of go over the thousand maydays. Um, you know, not only the the the, the talk that you gave. But the, the the training evolution behind it, what brought those hundred firefighters together, and, and what was why'd you do it, and, and and obviously share the results of what you witnessed that that day or that weekend that uh, really developed into a thousand maydays. Because I'll tell you that that whole thing reset my whole my whole logic on not only conducting a search drill. I think you even say in your video, make sure that you never drag a fireman across a bay floor ever again because it's a, you know, this, I'm, now I'm paraphrasing, but a bullshit way to do a search. Um, but uh, kind of go through how this all, like, why did this happen? How did this all come together? Uh, so uh, many, many things, you know, happened. So first, first of all, I want to always give uh, credit where credit is due. The, First and foremost, if you have the opportunity, take the RIT class from uh, Fire Department Training Network. Pay the $1,000, go to the class. That They only offer it once a year now because it's not sexy anymore. Um, and uh, go, go to the class. If you can't do that, do their combat school. Do something at Fire Department Training Network. That will get you your, your mindset right. Um, after I took that class, we, like I said, uh, Clackamas, uh, you know, where the guys from search culture and stuff and fools was kind of emerging in the Clackamas, Portland, Gresham, uh, the, the, the Valley area kind of came up and we stumbled onto this 
this uh, 50 building some, uh, church summer camp that had interior uh, interior hallway apartment. It had houses. It had a sanctuary. It had, I mean, you name it. It had that type of building, basements, everything. I mean, it was incredible training opportunity. And I said, hey, last year I went to Fire Department Training Network and we did this class. I think we could probably reproduce most of it here over the over three days but i'll need some instructors and i'll do that and uh, kind of rang the bell and i think we had 50 people students show up and uh over three days did the course and i made made some modifications to it uh to fit our scenarios and and make it a little more harder we did a little more harder, a little more hard, and a little more challenging. Um, we uh, kind of, uh, not a smoke diver course, but I like the fact that they started their day with uh, um, calisthenics. And so that's what we did. And uh, uh, my instructors that volunteered to come out, I'm like, hey, we're going to line these 50 guys up and um, we're going to do calisthenics for half an hour to an hour. And they're like, what? Who would ever come to a training class that you worked out in the morning? You know, so we did, did that. And then we did eight, uh, eight uh, scenario scenarios. Now we do 10 scenarios a day for three days and uh, they're instructional and they're skill building. And the first day is all, personal survival, how to thrive on the fire department. You know, you have to survive to thrive. Um, the second is rescue because the majority of our, the majority of our uh, maydays are uh, first handled by the individual firefighter, second handled by a crew or a crew next to them without all the rip bags, without all the ladders and, and, and boards and, and uh, tools and saws and all that, just the crew working nearby or that individual crew. And then the last day was all rapid intervention. And so I brought the things that were taught to me and then brought things that were, I've learned over the last, at, at that time, it was you know, 22, 23 years of training and um, got with the instructors. And at this time, uh, kind of search was emerging as a, as a, as a big topic and uh, Justin McWilliams and um, uh, Mark Corliss came up and, and started talking about training scars and how we should teach search in a different way. And, and so I'm like, Hey, let's, let's add that in here. How about we do this? How about we do that? And uh, Hey, let's make, let's make these big scenarios. Hey, this is my idea. Let's have a scenario that is, uh, very similar to like the Phoenix project where they said it took 21 people to rescue one down firefighter. And during that 21, during that rescue of those 21, five more maydays popped up during that time on a regular basis. So what if we could do that? We had this huge uh, auditorium to just create a, um, uh, uh, a afternoon scenario. Well, uh, that very first time we had uh, um, 
doing that scenario in that location, we had seven, I want to, I get, this is, I'm going off the cuff. We had seven May days during that event, that afternoon event, the whole, uh, the whole writ afternoon took for one scenario took three hours. And, um, and we weren't training scarring them. We were very simple, uh, concept, very difficult to, to make happen. We had seven, uh, maydays within the scenario that were that were real they were out of air but we're the ones that were like hey you're disoriented you're out of air call a mayday we had one we had two that were actually real maydays but people were in trouble um and this is with fake smoke they were actually in trouble uh one was able to to snap out of it pretty quick. And one of the maydays, we actually had to intervene because the person was so disoriented and uh, um, and was basically breathing his last breath of air and was not in a mental state where he could, where he was gonna remove his mask. And, you know, we're very safety conscious Obviously, we don't want any harm to come to anybody that we're training. And we were, people were there, multiple instructors were there to intervene and, and no harm, no foul, no problem. Safety police, don't get on me. Chiefs, don't text me. Uh, <laughs> we, we were there uh, to mitigate the situation, but uh, realized, wow something is happening with this class something is really happening with this class and of course i'm really big into feedback and like, hey what it what was the great and you know got got the this is the best class i've ever had this is the greatest opportunity to train i've ever had well organized uh great instructors content uh pushed me to the limit i, I just just absolutely amazing you know i was like hey what'd you learn you know i learned this i learned that and um, so got done with that class and immediately got a call from um, uh, people in charge and said, we have never heard such positive feedback from a class. Can you put another one on uh, next month? And I'm all like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can do that. Call up the instructors who did all, all volunteer, you know, they're, Nobody get nobody gets paid uh, a fee. We cover cover expenses, but no fee. And um, put on another one, and we had to turn people away from that one because the word had gotten out. So people were traveling in to take it, and um, and then uh, at that time I was able to step back one point. I'm like, I'm going to take documentation. What is happening? You know how are how is a how is a four by four post elevated six inches off of off the ground causing without any you can handle it in any way you want to how is that keeping a firefighter from getting out of the building and getting a crew having to tap out how is one four by four one obstacle stopping competent paid professional firefighters from being able to rescue their own 
And I'm like, what is happening? How, let me, I have got to learn what is, what is going on? Because I'd experienced it myself firsthand when I was at, uh, doing my own training and education and when things go bad and all, and, and these other great training, um, groups. And I was just like, okay, but what is happening systemically? What, what is the numbers behind this? How, how, you know, the Dunning-Kruger effect, how did we get to the point we're so arrogant that we think, well, I'll just walk in and pick them up and get them out, you know, because we, we think that, you know, you don't want to think it, but you think that, that that firefighter that got in trouble is either the, the, the oh God, firefighter who obviously his skill set, their skill set is going to, you know, of course, they're going to get in trouble or something catastrophic happened that's keeping them from being able to get out. But I'm seeing a smoke machine and an elevated four by four post, you know, across a, a, a transition area. So you, so you just have a four by four post that's, I guess, on, on a horizontal plane, six inches yes. off the ground? Six inches off the ground. You okay. just up and over. Just sure. Hey, you're but smoked out conditions. Uh, you know, pass alarms going off. I, I, it just, it, just the so obviously. So I was, you know, kind of going is like, are we are so freaking arrogant? You know, because if because we think, oh, that that person's an idiot and they're in trouble because they're an idiot. They're incompetent. So my competence is going to allow me to just walk into their situation, pick them up and carry them out because they're incompetent. That's why they're in trouble. I'm competent. I can get them out of trouble. Okay. Or it's a catastrophic failure. It's just like, Oh, they're stuck. Well, I'm competent. I'm, I'm skilled. So we're just going to remove the obstacle and walk in and pick them up and take them out. And, I, a hundred percent, but then you set up the scenarios and you see you either are humble or you become humbled because it is very, very, very difficult to, uh, to survive in an environment where everything is trying to kill you. It's very difficult to search in a situation that is driving chaos because when firefighters get in trouble and you have to go find them, the situation is unstable. You Rarely do you have a stable situation in which a firefighter is in trouble. And then you have rescue where you have to engage. Something has gone wrong and you have to both repair the wrongness and recover the person. And then you bring in rapid intervention who is starting from the outside, which is a good place to start because you're not part of the initial problem. But most writ is you train the people in writ to become the problem. I mean, most of our training is at the 10% of the hundred percent that you need to know to be an uh, effective writ operator. And you become the next problem. 
You know, it's just like, what? I can't believe these RIC companies did not, you know, get these people out. And I'm all like, how? Now I look at it and go like, how do you, how do you not know that? Yeah. How, how do that, you expect that, anything different? Yeah. That RIC company that's standing out in the, in the yard, uh, even, even slightly engaged, you know, just their position. And, and I, I would hope that it's the rarity where those are the thank God firefighters, but it's the oh God firefighters. And even if they're competent, even if they're competent, hard charging firefighters, that I, the the writ, writ in itself is is the probability of a writ failure is is not it shouldn't even be considered a probability. It's like we are going to fail in some fashion. We are going to fail uh, because the time is against you. The uh, situation is against you as far as stable or unstable. The volatility of the situation, the uncertainty of it, it's chaotic. Uh, it's ambiguous. Everybody is trying to, you know, uh, everybody is trying to solve the problem in a different way. Communications, I mean, the line of duty death, you know, top five are all present when rapid intervention gets deployed into the situation. It's just like, it's not a you know, it's not a possibility that you're going to fail. It, it's a very high probability that on some level you're going to fail. That's what I'm like when we do our scenarios. You, you assigned a writ. Awesome. They're rescue now. Get your next writ up. Get Where's your next writ? Oh, well, we don't have the depth. We don't have, I'm like, shame on you. You're not telling me that you have a working fire and 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 a engine company from three counties over if you dispatch them because you need help, wouldn't come. It wouldn't come to a working fire to be your backup to the backup of RIT. You know, it's just like no. Yeah, and anyone, Paul, anyone on this job, if 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 only they just went there as a backup to the backup crew, they're in full turnout gear looking at a structure fire. There's some degree in them there; they're kind of happy. Now, if it's negative five outside, sure, I get it, but. Um, Dress, dress warmer. Yeah, right. Have a pair of gloves. But yeah. uh, one of the things I think you, you talked about in your Thousand May Days, one thing, thing that was the biggest takeaway is the more, and, and it was probably an incremental add, but when you would add one more obstacle to the egress, the, the egress plan, I guess, it would plummet the success rates. And I think what you guys had is, and please correct me if I if I have this wrong. That um, if you had three obstacles to move past, and in in, in this evolution over the course of one hour, you had a hundred percent failure. Do I have in some degree? Do I have that right? Uh-huh, yeah, that that and that is, if you have three obstacles, you're not going to rescue the person. Period. That is insane. Like that is where. All of our, all of the leadership in in our whole fire service has dropped the ball when it comes to, and and if I'm doing it, if I'm familiar with it, I guarantee there's a thousand other guys in a thousand other departments having the same thing where they have two guys and they have the quote unquote writ pack in the front yard and it's just two guys and they're like you're writ, all right. Um, make sure you have your shit cause, cause you, you're it. And then you like, then you like listen to the, the thousand maydays and you're like, well, 
if if I have two obstacles, two three obstacles, like the guys, the guy or girl is going to die. Like we're not going to be successful, and one of us is going to have a heart attack, and we're going to have a, a, a bunch of other things going wrong. God forbid we we still have a crew at this point putting out the damn fire. Um, that that to me was the biggest like like just shattered to my psyche of of what you guys were encountering and the only way you guys did that was you guys put in the work to find the information it was insane right and you know the mayday project backs that up that's uh um, look it up i can't remember who exactly is doing the mayday project but that's a read that will just send chills down your spine um you know and uh the uh not it's not us but the uh, you know they're getting the mayday project you Go to um, companies like When Things Go Bad, uh, Fire Department Training Network. Um, if you're in Canada, the um, uh, Prepare for Rescue, Prepare for, uh, those guys are doing uh, great work up in Canada. And, um, you know, we have to we have to build. If you take, say, hey, we're going to teach a writ class, nobody signs up um, because it's not sexy. It's, RIT is not part of the Renaissance. It should be, but it but it's currently not. May make it may make a comeback a little bit, but if you um, if you're going to be teaching at a conference and they have uh, they're teaching search, search is going to fill up. You're teaching fire fire attack, it's going to fill up. You know, engine company operations going to fill up. Truck company operations going to fill up. Um, and then the last one where everybody's just like, oh, okay, I got to take the Everything else is sold out, so I got to take the writ class, and uh, you know, and it's just like I get it, man. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, you know, these techniques and skills and lifts and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, a couple things. Number one is is that uh, a lot of all my all my classes on rescue firefighter rescue and uh, writ prior to going out to uh, fire department training network was abysmal. I mean, it was, it was training scars times a thousand and um, everything about it was, was bad. And um, then, then I got my eyes opened up to what it takes to uh, get out of your arrogance and get into expertise and uh, seek out expertise and be able to uh, identify, you know, you can, you, people that are not experts, they know how to, there's a lot of people out there that are high contributors and they know how to do things right. Uh, if you're going to be an instructor, if you're going to jump into the expert role, you've got to be able to identify what is wrong and work through those challenges so that you can um, build better uh build better training memory build better uh effort or build better techniques and skills in the firefighter because if you if people show up and they do it right that's awesome hey you you got some good training now let me flex a little bit on you a little bit of different scenario and um and then identify what is going wrong uh with that and sometimes people because most of the time with writ class it well you, you know you've seen they're all on youtube follow a flat ho- hose through <laughs> the you know the bizarro props that 
whatever would come out. Okay. Yeah, crawl on your hands and knees on the flat hose and navigate yeah. yourself through that. Yep. Right, get to a tire nose, all that kind of stuff, and, and I get it. I, I if you've done it, uh, and 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 you know we do. Uh, you have to do unrealistic, un. You have to do unrealistic drills to teach very specific techniques, and um, the uh, that's where the uh, a lot of people do stuff. It's you have to know what you're doing when you're instructing. I love uh, um, Aaron Fields. Uh, Aaron Fields teaches nozzle forward, freaking fantastic class. Aaron Fields' uh, class on instructional instru- instructional modalities and techniques is should be required. It is a fantastic class because it's about how to teach and. Um, uh, it's like one of the things we teach the hose. We teach the hose maze, the typical tie the hose into a bunch of knots and all that other kind of stuff. And people are like, well, isn't this? How's this different than doing the follow the flat hose and do all that kind of stuff? I said because what we what we're doing here is trying to focus. We there's only four things that you're going to learn from here. We need to get you to that point so that you can learn those four things. And um, um, and if you take away those things, if you take away nozzle direction, you know, directional nozzle or directional couplings, uh, is you, it's just you, you should know directional couplings. And... And they go, okay, standing outside, it's kind of like the slick bay floor dragging yeah. a firefighter. Yep. You hold, hand them a coupling. See this coupling? Yep. You see what, if you follow it this way, you're going to the nozzle. If you follow it that way, you're going to the pump. Oh, okay, smooth bump, bump, just bump. Oh, yeah, whoa, okay, awesome. All right, got it? Yeah, got it. All right. That's Now you've built their uh, confidence, you built their arrogance, and now you get them tired, you get them disoriented, you get them uh, in trouble, and then you say, you have four minutes to get out, okay? Well, I'll just stand up and walk out. Do it, okay? Oh, weird, you tripped on the hose and you fell. Now Now you're disoriented and possibly hurt, okay? So... I want you to grab that hose and I want you to stay upright. I want you to find that coupling. Use the slap the hose on the ground. You can hear the couplings uh, if they're close. All right, go one way or the other quickly and find a find a coupling. Listen to the pump. Find an outside wall. How can you tell what is an outside wall? Are you in a residential? Or are you in a commercial? Uh, what's different from a residential and commercial? Are are you out of air? Or are you in a thermal, uh, you know, thermal insult situation? How is that different? If you're a thermal insult situation, can you find those couplings on when you're flat on the ground? Do you think the guys that have barely uh, survived a, a, a thermal insult event and they had to belly crawl and, and got disoriented? Do you think those guys are idiots? Is it, you know, do you think they're incompetent? 
or do you think they were getting burned? You know, and they had to make quick decisions, and they just, by the grace of God or luck or intervention um, from outside resources, were able, you know, were able to survive. And it's just like, can I just teach you something right here, um, so that uh, it's not on my shoulders or the fire service shoulders or uh, your your uh, organization's shoulders that that you died 20 feet from the from the front door, uh, going the wrong direction with your mask off and your shoulders burnt to hell, you know, is it, is it possible that I could teach you something? And, um, and, and in that, is there possible something that I can learn while I'm teaching? Because that always happens. That always happens. Yeah. See, I told you I get, I get preachy. No, I love it. Uh, we talked to a, co- a couple um, a while ago with uh, I don't know if you've heard of Tim Anderson from ARS Rescue or, um, Anderson Rescue Solutions. Tim's a mm-hmm. yeah, so Tim's out in Philadelphia, and and Tim actually was was, was involved with um, ultimately ultimately a line of duty death and, and, and a writ operation, and um, you know he, one of the things, and he, and he had developed this thing, uh, the, the, his um, multi loop rescue strap, well before this event happened, and, and they they deployed a couple of them to try to get, um, I believe, Lieutenant Letourneau out of um, this this incident. And one of the things that, that I took away so much from from his recount, um, his recap of, of this event, um, two was. In these events, how how simplicity is king with what you're doing. You don't have time to think of all these hot shot knots and and, and, and operations to get get firemen, especially when you're you have a when you have a thermal issue going going against you. Um, and and that because one of the things that we had brought up was um, there's a bunch of YouTube videos on on, on hasty harnesses and and you th- you you you. you the fireman is down on their back or on their stomach and you put a giant circle around them with webbing and then you lift one arm and then you, you put that down and you lift the leg and you put that down and you cross it here. And, um, and, and, and I haven't been involved in, in, in a real life writ operation. And, but, uh, you know, you, you do enough studying enough learning or you, I'll give you, you pull ceiling one time and you get more, more real estate than you bargained for. And you have blown an insulation on top of you with drywall. And then you add heat and then you add smoke and then you add one of your, your own going down. Being able to, to methodically and be able to, to track that webbing around their body is just not realistic. But the, I guess the more important thing I'm getting at here is he recounted how, up until that event, he had a carabiner clipped on his coat. And he said, you know, if I ever need one, I have it right here. I can clip it on. He said in that moment, he was so tired and so taxed mentally and physically that the physical act of removing a carabiner, throwing it down with your thumb, removing it from your coat, and putting it on your webbing, the thought of doing that was so intense that he abandoned that idea because it was too crazy of a thing he could not think of expelling that much physical energy on that one task versus what he was working with his team to do and i think that's so important to relay to anyone assigned to writ that um 
you can have all the tools and toys that you have, but if you're not if you're not showing up in shape, if you're not showing up with your saws warm and and at least a game plan or a previous real life training history, it it's 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 destined to go negative way faster than it's gonna go positive. Yeah, yeah. We we teach that uh, the three G's of failures: gizmos, gadgets, and gimmicks. <laughs> I and, love that. Um, yeah, it's just like just we we deal with our hands, nobody. Um, so in my left coat sleeve is a um, is a small loop of is my six foot loop of webbing with a carabiner already attached, and I got the little red webbing tab sitting outside my uh, right on top of my sleeve there, and so without having to get into a pocket, do anything else, I can I can pull that webbing uh, out and, and have webbing. Am, am I thinking about using that to drag a down firefighter? Nope, not, not, not thinking about that at the time, but I have had, used webbing so many times in, um, in the fire service. I always tell people, have a big old webbing loop uh, that you keep rolled up in a rubber glove in your pocket and then have tuck this little piece of the six foot loop of webbing in your in your sleeve with a carabiner on it and uh, all of your carabiners for your personal use and rescue uh, make them non-locking and if they have a key on them that little notch um, on there take a grinder and grind that off because that freaking notch will catch on absolutely everything uh, when you're trying to get it on and off and in that particular life-saving situation, I'm not talking about ropes. I'm talking about uh, hoisting a hose and and you know latching onto a firefighter, doing something else like that. That notch will be the death of you. And uh, and of course, they've already if they're locking, they've already the, the barrel would have, will have spun tight, and you won't be able to use it. If you do, if you can't afford to have non-locking carabiners, or you have to have locking ones. And take a wrench and uh, or a pair of pliers and ply those things to where they can't be closed uh, by rattling around in your pocket. And, um, but yeah, we the we 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 have we have awesome equipment. And uh, the only gimmick uh, we teach, and it was taught to us, and I'm, I I I I just think it's it's. If we have a if we have an air supply and it's attached to our body, okay, the air supply is attached to our body, and we're in a toxic environment. If we lose our air supply, we're going to die no matter what. Uh, they can drag us, they can save us, they can do everything else, but if that air supply comes off, we're doomed. So come up with a, a gimmick uh, to keep the air supply attached to us no matter what happens. And so I put the belt through the legs and latch it. Uh, there's other ways to do it. You can use webbing, you can do everything else, but we train on that. It's like, hey, this is a gimmick. I know it's a gimmick, but guess what? I don't want to come out. I don't want you to drag me out of this room naked. And if you drag, if you've seen actual rescues or if you've seen actual difficult scenarios and they do not convert the pack, that person comes out naked. <laughs> it's just like, where's the pack? Where's this turnout yeah, go? Where's yeah. this? And I'm like, 
hey, you know what? We we teach that, and people are like, well, I can do it this way, and I can do it that way, and I'm like, hey, if it's me, if you're rescuing me, I'm going to give you carte blanche. I'd rather you break my leg and keep my air pack with me. Yeah, yeah. Than than uh, not convert or secure the pack to me because there's straps now. You can yeah convert to the torso and, and yeah you know you can okay you got you got it but you know what the thing is or you could like hey let's rescue me but not grab onto my pack one time and uh, oh guess what you grabbed onto my pack because it's it's a back it's a thing full of handles i want you to use the pack but yeah. i just want to want you to keep the pack on. i want to keep my body attached to that pack yeah you know and yeah. uh so and that's why the so randy carpenter uh died 20 years ago in um in coos bay oregon and uh when we we're first starting out uh, uh randy carpenter so when randy carpenter died he died with two he was a paid captain and uh, died with two volunteers uh, with him in Coos Bay. And um, uh, that was a big line of duty death in Oregon. We didn't, don't have very many of them as far as active fire events go. And a uh, bunch of money poured in and his brothers are uh, phenomenal, uh, phenomenal individuals. And, um, you know, they got this, they got this money uh, donated and stuff, and they're like, "Man, I'm. What do we do with this money that is gathered on the death of our brother?" And uh, they put it into a training fund, and for the last 20 years, they've been uh, sponsoring training in Oregon, Idaho, and Washington. And uh, so they were helpful in sponsoring the first trainings that we did. And I said, "Hey, you would you mind if I named our?" Uh, survival search rescue and writ school after your brother randy carpenter so uh, that's why we teach the randy carpenter uh, firefighter survival search rescue and writ school um, we've been doing it for now four years and have several hundred um, firefighters that have graduated from the program and uh, we go around and we're always looking for host agencies to to um, sponsor the course and um you know it's well worth 300 bucks a person to go through the course um we've learned to speak chief um very well in that because that's a dialect that is tough to learn oh my gosh yeah they are you know they are a um they are a group i I love them to death you know you got to have chiefs love them and uh, they just speak a different language. Like, um, you know, how many <laughs> how many people is this course going to put on workman's comp? <laughs> right. And uh, you know, how many air packs are going to be broken? And how many? You know, it's just like, hey, look, the people are going to workman's comp. But our class, our class course is hard. It's very, very hard. We send out a welcome letter that says you should probably go see a doctor and get approval to take our course. Um, we, we send out the information to uh, the powers of be and say, Hey, you know what? You might want to, you might want to have a, a physical fitness standard for your department. Um, and that you might want to only pay for people to go to this course that you think 
that you would want rescuing you from a fire, you know, um, and uh, uh, we've never dropped anybody. We've never uh, caused harm to anybody by a technique we're doing work. Injuries come up because they're um, because it's a hard class, and when you do hard things, sometimes things get damaged. Yeah, muscles get and, pulled uh, and pu muscles pulled get and... pulled and all that other kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. um, if you work, uh, if you work with air packs, um, yet if you if you've never heard this, people that repair air packs, if you use air packs, they get broken. Um, <laughs> and uh, so uh, I don't know. It's a very highly detailed piece of equipment that involves electronics and wire and tubing and air and pressure. Yeah, um, and, 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 and some random places where a little too much plastic is used. And that seems to be the, yeah. what we're breaking the most for us. Oh, yeah. And it's like, hey, we do our best to say, hey, you're about to break your mask off or all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's going to get used. And uh, we, taught, we taught a class. They had replaced all their old their air packs. And so they had training packs. And uh, uh, the guy, the organizer, got an earful i guess because they were breaking too many training packs during training <laughs> oh it's that that's 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 the the the, the, na the native chief lingo lingo you know <laughs> i was just like okay hold on a second. so since since our inception so that it's funny that the organization that allowed us to that encouraged us to teach three classes back to back uh later on uh a new slug of uh, chiefs uh, were at our fifth class for that organization, and uh, uh, we're no longer allowed to train them. Three days. <laughs> train, train there anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called budget recovery, Michael. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we we went from we went from saints to sinners, man. We got thrown out of heaven. Um, <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was ugly, but, um, no, we've actually, uh, uh, I love teaching the class, that course, uh, we've expanded now. We, um, I have a group called the worst fire instructors and, um, we, uh, it's all instructors that are, uh, willing to come to your organization and teach. And all you have to do is pay their travel uh, lodging and food. They don't charge a fee. And, um, they're, they, they charge fees other way, other places on their own little, uh, organizations. But when they sign up, when you, uh, when you hire the worst, uh, fire instructors, um, we come to your place and we don't charge, uh, a fee. And, um, so we charge, obviously there's costs, but we don't, you know, we don't we don't charge a teaching an instructor fee to to come and teach, and so we have a couple of a couple of events um, in the coming up. We're in one in Washington in September, and one in um, November in Lawrence County, Ohio. And um, uh, so, if you're if you're out there listening to the podcast, and you know, we've been talking for a while, and you need instructors. And uh, if you got some some a limited budget and you want maximum, we have we have uh, people that are uh, the worst fire instructors, and they will 
they will uh, come out and, and teach because guess what? There's there's passionate people in the fire service that would uh, would love to come to your organization and instruct and uh, know that not every budget is equally uh, funded. So I know uh, we're uh, we're wrapping up here, but uh, yep. so COVID is. Uh, mess things up some areas are, are returned to normal some areas are not i know um you know uh, here in here in michigan we're still more i think more locked down than than some some other areas maybe maybe california is thinking the same you know in the same position we're in right now but uh where uh in in, in regards to fire x talks what's What's the plan? How is how is the Phoenix going to rise rise again post COVID? And and what's your, what's your hope for that as we carry this out? Well, I got uh, the Portland Art Museum got a hold of me uh, a while ago, and uh, they are getting a filming uh, variance. So if for those organizations that are doing filming, um, they can supply the uh, they can, you can have an event there. And, um, so uh, we, uh, we're looking at this summer having fire talk 2021 at the Portland art museum. And, uh, we'll get the, as soon as we get permission to, to ink that, that would be, um, that's what we're, we're looking at further down the road is uh, fire talk, the actual 20 minute talks on fire. And um, we're excited about that for all my training now is under the fire talk brand. And so we, uh, we are making a lot of progress in making connections with a lot of different organizations to try to bring, um, try to bring training to, to whoever wants it, whoever, whoever needs it. There's a, I think that there's going to be small conferences and then a couple of big conferences. When this all sorts out, there's going to be uh, because right now, when FireTalk started, there was no conference. There was the big conferences only. Now there's a conference on every corner, or there was before COVID, and uh, they're starting to reemerge again. You know, a conference on every corner, and uh, I think that's the way to go. Is like, hey, let's have a, let's have a bunch of 100-person conferences, and guess what? Nobody's going to get rich when doing that. Um, and so I see FireTalk sponsoring a lot of, um, a lot of uh, smaller conferences, smaller events. And while we're going there, because technology is advancing at a rapid uh, point, a couple of GoPros, a couple of... Uh, uh, value microphones and um, things are going away from, you know, YouTube is still phenomenal, but the world of podcasting is so much better as far as a platform to get out content. So, um, you know, fire talk podcast, cause I'm super lazy about doing podcast stuff. I could see uh, recording podcasts out on all of these training events, you know, uh, we had Kyle Romagus. Kyle Romagus just gave an incredible podcast on the weekly scrap with uh, Firehouse Vigilance, Corley Moore. Um, fantastic two hours of high-level content. But 
you know, getting getting his uh, he was out for uh, the first worst, and um, you know, if I wasn't so lazy, I would have got his podcast. <laughs> we had. Um, yeah, Josh I just, Cox I just reached Sean out Walker. to Kyle. I have, and I, you yeah. know what? I dropped the ball on that. Kyle, uh, Kyle was working. We were working on uh, coordinating a day to uh, for him and I to talk. And I haven't. Uh, I, I got to reach back out to him. We uh, we got coordinated yeah. a day. I've uh, I, I watched some Fire Nuggets pod, uh, Fire Nuggets uh, training with him with just you know very good engine company work and guys of wealth and knowledge. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He's uh, he's the he's the real deal and. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's kind of cool cause the, uh, so I put myself on the fire nerd side of it. My, my, uh, my charisma, as far as the, um, the hard hitting fire fighter, you know, the guy was like, Hey, that, that guy right there, that's, that's the, that's the thing. God firefighter, <laughs> you know, I'm more of the fire nerd looking side of things. And I always thought what we need to do is get a, get a, charismatic guy like uh kyle uh who is actually a fire nerd in disguise you know because as soon as you start as soon as you get through the uh his uh badass exterior you're like dude you're a nerd like the rest of us his 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 deep voice and mustache are deceiving (laughs) (laughs) i know i was just like gee whiz man that's uh that's you know awesome uh, to do to uh, listen to all of that uh, you know information and what was funny is I um, when I was younger I had a chief Ed Harton um, who's now chief at uh, Central Whidbey Island and he came to Gresham and uh, brought in a level of education that is far not, I mean just incredible amounts of education he he is uh, he will have forgotten more knowledge than most of all the fire service can combined. He is just an incredible wealth of information. Well, he came in and I think it's funny is that when I was listening to Kyle the other day is, uh, the words of Ed Harton out of Kyle's mouth, um, uh, general knowledge, not Ed, not Ed's material specific, Ed's knowledge of, uh, of fire behavior, fire dynamics. Uh, with one exception, and that is the um, uh, how water is applied to the fire, you know. And so uh, those two together, listen, being able, the refreshing part of having that deep well of knowledge uh, bridged with the American Fire Service, the experience of putting water downrange, uh, closing in, putting, the, putting water on the fire cooling surfaces, and all of that material uh, is uh, is a refreshing look at fire suppression uh, in the fire service because sometimes people don't want to know what, what the why. Uh, sometimes it's funny if people ask us like, "Well, how are you dealing with this why culture?" And I'm all like, "I wish it was more prevalent. I don't I don't have a why. I don't run into a bunch of why cultures. I run into just show me how and then leave me alone. You know, just." Show me how. Show me what you want me to do and how to do it, and let me get after it. All right, but you would really be better if you knew the why. I don't. I don't care about the why. 
you want me to you want me to find my way out and I have to belly crawl? You want me to be disoriented? Okay, I don't care why you want me to do that. Just what do I do and how do I do it? And uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, we're we're good with that. Uh, and then then you have the that's what you know where I see the why culture come out the most is the guys sitting around having beers with the instructors. That's where I see the why culture uh, come out, the positive why culture. Sure. Because sure. they come they come out and they're like, hey, where are the instructors eating? Uh, okay, and then they show up and they're like, hey, uh, awesome material. Why? You know. Yeah. Right. And then the instructors are like, oh yeah, well this this is why. And uh, okay, fantastic, you know. And so that's it. Awesome. Well, Michael, I, I appreciate your time today. Really, I do. I, I couldn't be more grateful for uh, what you've done for the fire service, what you've done not only for, for you know, other people, especially, but especially my career. I, cu- I couldn't be more thankful for it. And uh, you're making, you know, you're making the job better every day. And I, I, look, I look forward to the, the uh, FireX Talk 2021. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would love to carry a couple of uh, your designs uh, on our little T-shirt uh, system that we have uh, so we raise money for training that way and i <laughs> i was going through some of the stickers and stuff and i was just like oh god i i love this uh i love this uh these decals so it, let's get together it, it really absolutely man and it really just i'll be honest with you it, it just it came out of just a a niche of just you know what what could i put out there that the general public would have no idea and just look at me like I'm just a weird fucking guy. But but everyone on the job would in some way know that, that you're on the job. So it's kind of like, show me that you're on the job without showing me that you're on the job sort of thing. Uh, well, it's 100%. You know, that's what I... Uh, I, uh, I do a lot of uh, black ink on black. You know, when, I, when somebody says like, Hey, I got this brand. I'm like, oh, awesome. You should do a black, you should do a murdered out shirt. Yeah. And they're all like, well, but nobody would see it. I'm like, the the guy who is ordering the shirt knows that it's there. Yep. Um, and uh, and so I just, the uh, the office ones and some of the other ones. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> um, the, uh, what are, you know, what it reminds me of, because I was sitting there going, um, what we need is, uh, you know, the chive did Bill Murray, right? Yep. And I'm all like, that's the shirt that needs to be, you know, the fire service is just like, you, you know, if you don't know, you don't know. But if you know, you know. Exactly. You know, yep. and uh, I'm like, hey, I, we need a, uh, I can't think of, uh, you know, not Bill Murray, the guy that plays uh, the office character. Um, yeah, Dwight. You know. Dwight, yeah, Dwight. I was just like, uh, you know, <laughs> Dwight, the, the uh, you know, great icon, but then you also the, uh, um, you know, I'm no hero, and some yep. of the other ones yeah. are just like, hey man, that that is where it's at. We uh, uh, some of the new guys in the fire service, I think, is funny is is that um, they're they're very low key. And, uh, it's all you know, subtlety. It's all, it's like, all, it's all super subtle, you know, and that's my couple f- things. Number one is that because they carry their own light source and their little, uh, 
their phones and they're always staring at light. <laughs> they always want the rooms dark. Drives me nuts. Out, you know, I walk. I feel like I have to walk around with a headlamp. You know, and um, um, but uh, the subtlety is 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 awesome. And, and at first, I didn't understand it. And I'm like, man, what what is the deal? What they're like? Oh, you know, no, we don't really like that shirt. Oh, no, no, no. what is the deal? It's like, well, we we want to we want to wear a fire we want to wear a fire department shirt that doesn't look like a fire department shirt. And I'm yeah. all like. That makes no sense, you know. <laughs> I'm all like, it came ahead. out of this birth of like, it, I'll tell you too with the with the shirt stuff. Like the one I'm working on next is um, like the friction loss coefficient formula um uh, mm-hmm. for for a shirt that we're gonna I'll, I'm gonna be pumping that out here in a little bit. And again, I I took I wanted to find the polar opposite to the shirts that that say I fight what you fear. Or when the tough, when drag. you know, when you know, when drag the going gets tough, the tough go in. The drag, like I, I hate with a passion all that, all that stuff. But I also didn't want to go into a store and still have someone know. Not that I'm, I'm nowhere near embarrassed of it, but I don't need, yeah. I don't need the girl behind the counter seeing that I'm a fireman and then calling her. I need, I, like, tapping on the mic, you know, like. I need a, I need a, I need a discount on register five for a fireman. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, you know what? Uh, the uh, uh, now this year, the year before, uh, I was able to uh, go uh, as my my uh, costume for Halloween was was a hip was hifty. <laughs> so I I had the I uh, a jacket like a twenty nine ninety five bomber jacket yeah up on. On the and I had the uh, super tacky. I fight what you fear. Oh I had, my god! You know, the pager on the oh on yeah, the belt. The, yeah. I had the, the old minute you know, on the belt. The little, uh, I almost didn't have to add any padding around the middle, uh, but uh, added little padding around the middle, and uh, you know, and uh, I love the uh, uh, meme that said, um, you know, you don't want to be on shift on hifty. Don't do shit that puts you on hifty. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you're not kidding. You know, I'm all like, hey, that's uh, uh, but our our department's been on hifty uh three times that I know of, and uh, and each one it was deserved. <laughs> and I'm all like, yeah, I'm all like, something. One of them was, all of them were deserved, but one of them wasn't our fault. We actually got. It was actually we actually got paid to be on a Columbia Sportswear commercial. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, and so and um, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also funny as a little Gresham history. So uh, uh, the original uh, the original uh, um, World Trade Center bombing ninety uh, three is it? Yeah, ninety three. Uh, ninety three. So Kevin Shea uh, career ending injury. And then I ran into Kevin Shea um, at a um, vendor event here in the Pacific Northwest, and um, and I had known that our Baker Aerial Scope, our truck, had been used in this movie for um, the for the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, and uh, and I'm all like, wait a minute. So I ran into Kevin Shea. Kevin Shea's telling me about this, and then I'm talking about it at our kitchen table. One of our old guys um, is just like, oh, yeah, you know, our truck was in. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember our truck was in that. 
that movie and it's just like uh you know the kevin chase story is like the first main part of that movie you know and i'm sitting there going <laughs> what no way and sure enough i looked it up on youtube and watched it and and pretty good pretty good reenactment of the story that Kevin Shea, no, the re retelling, not the story, yeah. not, you know, the retelling, the, the account from Kevin Shea of how uh, he nearly died in that original World Trade Center is in that movie. And uh, I'm all like, and then our, our truck is in that movie because it was filmed in Portland, no of shit. all places. Yeah, at the, at the World Trade Center in 1993 is filmed in Portland. No and, way. Um, yeah. Huh. And uh, so you can look up that movie. I can't remember uh, what the name is right now. I have to go to my Facebook or whatever because I posted. I'm like, "Hey, our truck is famous right there." But I was rewatching <laughs> the clips, and I'm like, "That—that's Kevin Shea's story. <laughs> that's Kevin Shea's story right there. Holy my guy!" Uh, and then it's um, uh, uh, George Clooney uh, was the the main actor. Before he was George Clooney, nobody knew who the hell he was. So <laughs> he, so the Gresham crews that were working on the truck that day that was down there, they were like, "Oh yeah, we went out to lunch with this guy named George George Clooney." You know, and then he's he was a brand new actor in that. So uh, yeah, movie. Uh, I think it's called With Without Warning. With, yes. Yeah, Without Warning. Yes. Terror in the Towers. Terror and Terror in the Towers. Yep, yep. that's it. And uh, you'll see the big the truck seventy one at. Uh, uh, got relabeled um, in this little, you know, FDNY style Barry Baker aerial scope because uh, that's that's what we ordered, which is completely dysfunctional to have a tower in Gresham. You know, we we now have an all steer Pierce aerial um, 105, which is way better for us, and uh, we're gonna get one of them bendy trucks here shortly. <laughs> Well, Michael, so, anyway. I, I appreciate your time. I really do. I know you yeah. have uh, a lot of work to get done today. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, again, thank you for your time. Wish you all the best, and uh, we'll be I'll be looking out for Fire X. All right. Talk to you later, man. All right. We'll see you, Michael. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. I want to thank Michael for coming on the podcast. I had a ton of fun talking to him. I love nerding out on, on the fire service and the job with other fire service nerds. And uh, Michael is such a wealth of information, and he's done a ton of great work. Um, if you haven't yet, um, like, follow, subscribe, pay attention to FireX Talks. Like he says, the fire service owns the content, and uh, he's a proponent of just making our job better. So uh, take his message, move forward with it, uh, re-examine your RIP program, uh, do some training, get better at it, and uh, just make yourself and those that are on the job with you better. So uh, until next time, we'll see you. Bye.